0: Listening to Out and Proud, a Fidelity Pride production. This podcast allows members of the LGBTQ plus community and those practicing active allyship to hear stories that support and empower folks being out and proud in the workplace and at the world at large. I'm your host Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I get the opportunity to speak to Fidelity's first ever head of diversity and inclusion, John Basili. John talks about his his transition into the role as the first ever head of DNI at Fidelity, as well as the starting of the Fidelity Pride Employee Resource Group. So now having just come through October, which is LGBTQ plus history month, we thought it would be a great opportunity to look back at Fidelity's own LGBTQ plus history for this episode. So stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to Out and Proud. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and I'm here with a uh, someone I've heard a lot about, and I'm excited to talk to you today, John Basili. John, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good, Joe. Nice
0: to see you. Glad yes. to talk to you today. Yes, I'm very excited, mainly because though October is, is right in the rearview mirror and we were celebrating LGBTQ plus history month all month long, uh, something that I wanted to do for this episode of the podcast is take a look back at sort of Fidelity's own LGBTQ plus history, as it were, and give folks uh, who may be a bit newer to Fidelity or those like myself that have been here 11 years, but still don't know the full story, an opportunity to sort of hear how everything came about, how everything was made, and maybe some of the role that you played in that. So, John, if you could give us a little bit of grounding on your history with Fidelity.
1: Okay, sounds good. Um, So I started at Fidelity in 1986. I know that seems like such a long time ago.
0: <laughs> it Wait, was it
1: was a um, minute ago, yeah. Yes, exactly. it feels <laughs> like that. But in 1986, I started as a sales rep on the on the inbound phones um, back in the day. And it was a really exciting time at Fidelity. The, the Dow was at 1800, and um, it was um, a, a real growth period for us. And I remember being on the phones for maybe three months and getting promoted to being a supervisor. And then three months later, I was a manager because we were growing so quickly and wow. people were moving up you know, quite rapidly. And so I did that. I was in the phones organization for about a year uh, as a team manager. And then an opportunity came up for a recruiting position uh, for the phones. And at that point, as a manager, I had been doing a lot of hiring and I really enjoyed the hiring process and assessing talent and bringing people onto the team. So I thought, yeah, let me apply for this job. I think it would be a really good next step for me. And I got the job and I moved into that role. And that sort of got me on my Sort of human resources career track. Um, so that was my first role. And I did all the recruiting for the phones. I opened up the Cincinnati office, the Cincinnati oh, wow. site, which of course is now Covington. Right. Uh, that was in Blue Ash. Um, that was a great experience for me as one of my first assignments. Um, so did recruiting for several years, branched out into a number of different parts of the organization, and then, then moved into an HR sort of business line role uh, as an HR generalist for corporate services, as a matter of fact. So all of the corporate organizations, admin functions, and then from there, just continue to move throughout the organization in, in various HR roles, back in the phones organization, institutional, Fidelity Capital, which is, of course, now Devonshire, um, you know, te- technology. Um, so really a great opportunity for me to you know continue to grow as an HR professional, but also to work in pretty much every part of our business, which which was really pretty exciting for me. Um and then the the last role that I had when I left Fidelity in 2017 was the global head of diversity and inclusion, which is the Wendy role now. So um yeah, so it, it was quite a run. I, I really loved being able to end in the DNI space. And I think we'll talk a little bit about this today in terms of the, you know, the the Fidelity Pride role, playing a role in establishing Fidelity Pride and moving into diversity and inclusion. It was a great sort of next step for me um, as we continue to do the work and in the, in the very early stages of it, you know,
0: so that, that's who I am. Yeah, that's it's it's so interesting to hear about the rapid growth. I think we're seeing uh, quite a bit of that, I would say, nowadays with with a lot of the hiring and a lot of the the movement uh, within this company and then in acro- across with a few different other companies as well. I'm curious. What? Um so knowing that you were for those who may not be aware you were Fidelity's first ever head of diversity and inclusion uh global head of diversity and inclusion at at the company um and so what was it like for you to even think about applying for that role let alone getting it what was sort of your mindset in that in that area
1: you know it didn't it it, it didn't happen sort of the traditional way where we posted a job and people you know applied for it and we interviewed folks It was sort of a it sort of it sort of morphed into a full-time role what happened was we um probably like a a year or so before i moved into the role i was in i was part of talent acquisition i was leading um the executive search function all the fault the phone hiring and we had an internal um candidate development team and an external candidate development team so i sort of managed those three talent acquisition functions at the time we had had a small group of people, probably eight or 10 of us, that were were sort of trying to figure out where we wanted to be in the diversity and inclusion space. It was sort of like a a task force that we had pulled together to really look at what do we want to do? How do we want to move this work forward? We knew it was something that was critically important for us. There was a lot of talk at the time. We had some new leaders coming in from other parts, from other companies that had made a lot of progress in this space and were sort of challenging us to think about why why we haven't been doing more in the space? Like right. why don't we have a strategy? Why don't we have a sort of a focus on this? So we had this small team of people that really worked on a strategy in various with various components from, from a talent acquisition perspective, from a customer perspective. Um, and then what happened was we, as we were moving that work forward, there were some changes in leadership. Um, some of the work that we had started got put on the back burner a little bit, and things just didn't, things just sort of stalled out, um, and there was some changes in HR at the time, and so nothing was happening for about six six to nine months. So at that point, I had asked my boss um, at the time, who was running, um, had a very sort of a large leadership role in human resources, and I had said to him, I said, you know, I really think it would be great if we could pick this work back up again, I'm happy to to start it in my current role um, and let's see where we can take it and really focused it on a couple of different couple of different things. One of them being formalizing employer resource groups um, and making that sort of the foundation of our strategy, because at that point, Joe, we had uh, Fidelity Pride was up and running as an informal networking group. It wasn't officially sponsored by the firm at that point. And we had been around since 1999, and this was 2010. Oh, wow, so that, that had been going on all that time. Um, the women's leadership group, um, which was WNG at the time, started probably 2006 ish okay. with similarly with a small group of women who really wanted to put this together and really wanted to take leadership for it. They weren't officially sponsored either, so we didn't have official groups, yeah. But these groups organically formed with you know mission charter membership um, but we didn't have the budgets or the sponsorship at that time but the organization let us do it because it was we were adding value and they felt like it was something that you know we really should do so that was the first step was to say okay let's formalize these groups and let's see if there are others that want to form right um, and so this would this happened in 2010 we did, we did a launch um, called, we did a breakfast club series, and one of the one of the breakfast clubs was the launch of employee resource groups. And right at that time, and I'm going to give credit to the GMA program because we had three uh, folks from that GMA program, actually more than that, that stepped up and wanted to form um, the Black and Latino group, Asian employee resource group, and the veterans group. And they were all started by GMAs. Um, And so they came to me with their proposal that these three groups should be added. And so we launched in 2010, June, June pride month of 2010. We had a big launch of all of our five new ERGs officially sponsored by the organization. We created governance models, budgets, you know, put together templates for marketing communications. We did a nice, nice job with the in-house ad agency to create uh, branding for all of them. and. And uh, really put a lot of support. Got you know five of the C-suite executives at the time to be executive sponsors, and uh, it really took off. And that that was the first step was let's do that, yeah, and show that we can have success, and let's engage our employees in this work because, you know, getting employees involved in this was the best way for us to really see the momentum and the interest in this, um, and that really helped sort of springboard you know, me into moving into a full-time role doing this and putting together a strategy that the organization could embrace. Um, so that was kind of the start of it. And then I continue to do the work in my regular job. And then after about six to nine months, they asked me if I would just move into the role full-time.
0: That's awesome. It's interesting to me. So putting uh, make, making it about me for a moment, I would say. I joined Fidelity in September 2011. And it's interesting to me that all of this the the breakfast club series the launching all of this was happening like just just a little over a year before i joined because when i joined fidelity it felt like this had been going on since the the dawn of time as it were i mean it felt very in sync it felt very uh very integrated And it was exciting for me uh, as a member of the community to be able to come in and see, oh, wow, there's a space for me. There's people here. There is community here. And it really feels like the company is wanting to drive us to show up fully authentically, um, or I would say, embracing our whole selves while coming into work. And it's I would say it's a credit to the work that you and the and the team that you mentioned were able to do to be able to create that experience for somebody who came into the company a little over a year later and feel like it had been here the entire time.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because in two, right after we launched, one of the first things I wanted to do was to do this whole regional, we called them the regional road shows, mm. and we just took it on the road and we went to every site and we introduced the employee resource groups to the broader employee population in each location. And we you know, recruited leaders in each site that wanted to sort of be part of it. And we found leadership in each location for each of the ERGs. We signed up members right there on the spot um, and really got folks engaged. So I think by the time you started, mm-hmm. there had been so much work done around regional expansion um, and regional leadership support, so that maybe so when you started, you probably saw a lot of that stuff already yeah. in place, which was really cool. But you know, it was a little risky at first. You know, we didn't know how this was going to take off. And sure. you know, and oftentimes people say, "Well, you know, y- you decided to move into the job full time. Did you? You know, were you concerned?" And I said, "Well, you know At that point, I had been working at Fidelity, you know, twenty-five years, right. and I thought, you know what? This is something that I have a lot of passion for." um and, and when i started fidelity pride with some other colleagues in 1999 you know now we're talking you know 10 11 years later yeah. um you know i like continued to want to do this work but you know what it's 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 time to do it you know and and i'm happy to do it um and i also had a really good boss at the time that you know was providing me really good cover because this was still a sensitive topic back then right and folks a lot of times didn't know how to talk about it or didn't know what we should do in the space. And so it was uncharted territory for us. So, you know, and I knew the only way we were going to be successful at this was to recognize the, you know, the organizational readiness for this work, you know, the, the, the culture of the firm, you know, what, what is something I, I, you know, I wanted to push it, but I didn't want to push it to the point where, you know, we were going to fail, you know, because I, we couldn't, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't we couldn't fail with this. Right. So I did it in a way that was respectful of the fidelity culture and organizational readiness and worked really closely with, you know, I was fortunate that I had some really good relationships at the senior level, and a lot of support from the top, um, and and leaders that really wanted to do this work. So I was, I was really lucky at that time to have those executive sponsors to sort of help drive it, right, because I needed, yeah. I needed them yeah. to, to make this work to help us you know, really get it down within the organization through all that senior leadership messaging and um and, and getting making sure all of the managers and, and frontline folks knew why it was
0: important and what role they they played in, in making it successful for us. Yeah. It's um I think it's it's so interesting now thinking about um thinking about D&I work as a whole because there's so much that's going on currently here and as we're recording this in 2022, so much going on in this space right now. It's interesting to think about some of those sort of earlier conversations just a little over a decade ago and how much has grown in that time. So taking it back even further, back to 1999, what was it like starting Fidelity Pride as a sort of informal networking group in a time when... Perhaps that wasn't a lot of. Uh, there weren't weren't a lot of either representation or conversation around um, being out or 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 not being out, rather as well in the workplace. What was it like to come to that space and create that space of community?
1: It's a good question. You know, it was it was it was so different, and we were a little fearful of doing it. Um, you know, so what had happened was there was a, a new head of HR that had come into the organization and she had come from an organization that had been doing diversity and inclusion work and in ERGs for 20 years.
0: Yeah.
1: And she, um, she was a little surprised that, you know, we didn't have any of this. Wow. And so she, she was very supportive of the LGBTQ plus community. I was in human resources. I wasn't completely out, but by close connections, new,
0: sure.
1: new. And I we had a small group of us that kind of were friends and hung out together within HR. And so she knew that and she had asked a few of us to help her because one of the things that she really wanted to do was to get domestic partner benefits because at that time, you know, marriage wasn't legal. Right. And a lot of companies at that time were 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 offering domestic partner benefits for same-sex couples and we didn't have that. And she really wanted that to be something that she she did and she delivered for us, but she needed help. She needed us to socialize it with our leadership teams within the business because she needed to get support. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, at the time we, we did it, you know, we went out and we talked and I was a little hesitant because I had to go talk to the president of my company and ask him for support and basically had to come out to him yeah. in order to get him to say that. And I right. did, you know, and I had all I could do to like, a feel my heart coming up through my throat and I went into <laughs> yeah. his office and I said, you know, I said, Steve, I hope, you know, uh, I can get your support. But as a gay man, I'd really appreciate your, you know, support and getting domestic partner benefits. And he said to me without missing a beat, he said, John, of course you do. He said, and you probably don't know this, but my brother is gay and he and his partner, you know, you know, live in New York and I know the challenges that they've faced. And so you absolutely have my support. And So yeah. it was a lesson for me in realizing that you never know where your advocacy is going to come from. You think yeah. that people don't get it or are going to fight you on it. But there's a lot more support out there than you would think if you just share your story, you know? Yeah. And so I think that was a that was sort of eye-opening for me. And so, you know, we we it took us a while to to get domestic partner benefits. But what happened was then gay marriage, same-sex marriage happened a little sooner in Massachusetts than everywhere else. And so once we got that. Um, so, you know, we, you know, really lobbied to continue to get DPB for the rest of the organization that right. did not have marriage rights. Right. So then that's what we ended up doing. And that's kind of how we started Fidelity Pride. But at the time we were still so in the closet, we didn't even call it Fidelity Pride. We called it the Fidelity Employee Enrichment Group, otherwise <laughs> known as FEEG, because everything has to have an acronym.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> so it was ridiculous that we had to do that, but we were still so you know yeah. fearful of exposing ourselves in a way
0: no um, i i completely understand i think it's something that <clears throat> you see so again i would say centering myself on this a bit when i i hesitated in coming out as bi for so long because i was unsure of the uh reaction or lack thereof that i would get and i didn't know um if it was safe in the sense in the sense that i would say of um, would i be able to continue my work and be able to continue the the life that i'd been having without a lot of disruption and interruption that's what i mean um and i was blown away by the amount of uh support and advocacy and oh yes um my so-and-so is is also a member of the community and i you know i didn't know that there was somebody that I worked with that also understood and, and lots of stories and sharings and, and just the general, like, like you put it, the general advocacy of the, uh, the nature, I would say that the general not knowing where the advocacy is going to come from was, was very, uh, inspiring and empowering and enriching. And, and, um, it was incredible. And so I would say what I was talking about when I started At the company in 2011, there was a lot of regional engagement from the ERGs, the employee resource groups, um, specifically my, my own experience, understanding with pride. And now it's fascinating to watch. Uh, So having been involved with Fidelity Pride since 2019 at a national level. And seeing the amount of uh, employees that we have joined today who are very out and proud and very uh, contributing to an ever growing conversation to provide resources, to share their own experiences, to help parents um, who have children that are in the community, or maybe they themselves are coming out later in life, such as myself, and people are. There's a lot of support and, and active support, I would say, that. that I don't know that I could have even dreamed of uh, 11 years ago, let alone way back in 1999. So I'm, I'm interested to get your perspective on, you mentioned that you left Fidelity in 2017. And so what was your impression of how the DNI efforts and maybe even specifically Fidelity Pride had had grown and, and evolved over those years?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I was so impressed to see how far the organization has come. Um, you know, I think, you know, when we, back in the early days, I mean, the faces of the LGBT community were very different. It was yeah. mostly white men, white cisgender, cisgender men. Yeah. Um, it was hard to get the lesbians involved, but we we did get them involved. Yeah. And, uh, but now the faces are so different, right? Yeah. The community is so much broader. You know, we really didn't talk about trans inclusion back in those days, right. because yeah. there was, there was a lot of folks who just were just fearful to to come out or transition or be themselves in the workplace, Right. Sure. And now that's such a huge part of the work that that's being done is is working with organizations to help them be better at supporting their trans transgender employees. Right. Um, And so it's just a different community. Um, The community is so much more diverse racially, ethnicity by race and ethnicity. Um, It's it's the generations. I think the younger generation has really. Um, you know, really put themselves out there for the community and really stepped up and really have become the new activists, yeah. which is which is phenomenal yeah. uh, to represent those voices. So I see a lot of change, you know, and the fact that, you know, um, you know, Fidelity now has a, 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 a part of their business that's focused on the LGBT customer segment is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we had just scratched the surface on that, you know, um, with uh, doing some work with the branches on having an LGBTQ uh, seminar, you know, yeah. and now it's turned into an entire, you know, practice area, which right. is phenomenal. So that that is a huge accomplishment, you know, the fact that we've had all that growth in terms of numbers, you know, eight thousand employees now involved in in Fidelity Pride. I mean, it was only like six of us when it started, yeah. you know. So that makes me feel really happy, you know. Yeah. Um, and I remember I was invited back a couple of times to go to some of the Fidelity Pride events, and one of them was. Um, an employee from New Mexico who um, did a whole workshop, a whole seminar on being trans in the workplace yeah. um, and what it's like. And I was so impressed by that and that that was going to every single site um, right. was pretty amazing. So, yeah, I mean, we've come a long way um, and it, it's just, it's really heartwarming to see how many more new leaders have stepped up to yeah. to carry the torch and um, and the fact that it's so much more accepted. And, you know, it's nice to know people can come out now. And I mean, and, and I'm not, you know, Pollyanna enough to know to think that everyone is going to come out and be accepted because I know, as an organization, I do consulting in this space now. And I know organizations that have great policies and practices and great leadership messaging and are supporting organizations They're you know, the employees experience is based on who they report to. Yeah. And who is on their team. And, you know, bias shows up in a lot of different ways. Um, and so we have to be as leaders in in organizations, we have to be very diligent that we watch out for that. And we continue to speak out about that and make sure that our managers or employees are equipped um, to understand and to, to be good, good, inclusive leaders. I mean, that, that work never, never goes away regardless of how good a company is in the space, you know? Um, So, I mean, I think that's, that's the the work that continues, but um, I just remember, I, I just remember when we launched, um, the ERGs officially. And it was the very first time, it was June. And we were doing a whole sort of the history of the LGBTQ community. And we featured LGBTQ um, famous folks like Harvey Milk and Bayard Rustin and right. you know Virginia Woolf and uh, you know others on on the on the Fidelity Central portal for the very first time. I remember I was on a business trip and I opened up the the Fidelity Central portal went out remotely Mm -hmm. and I see the rainbow flag show up. Yeah. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. You know, for the very first time we had the rainbow flag on Fidelity's website. And I tell you, the it was the the comments and the feedback we got were just phenomenal. It was great.
0: It it makes a big difference when you can see. Visibly see the support as well as feel it. It makes a huge difference. Um, thank you for sharing that. As we're as we're wrapping up, I would say I've got one final question that I want to ask you, which is: if somebody is listening to this, and perhaps maybe they're struggling to come out, or they're 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 trying to decide if if they should come out, is there a specific piece of advice or maybe a mantra that you have for yourself that you would like to share with the listeners?
1: Yeah, I would say you know you, you will do it when you're ready. Don't, don't feel like you have to do it. I mean, I encourage folks to do it, but I also recognize that they may not be in a situation that's, that's safe, right. Or they're really comfortable doing it. So I, my feeling is, you know, talk to the people that you're closest to, you know, get their support, find colleagues in your organization, like, you know, and this is, this is why Fidelity Pride was so important, you know, and why we started it. it was because we knew there were employees who needed A place to go and a place to talk and a place to share and feel safe and you know leverage the erg for that you know because you have a lot of support there and there's many people in fidelity pride that will help you they'll help guide you through conversations that you want to have um i think that's the value of having that organization you know so you know practice talk to folks um do it in a way that makes you feel comfortable start with your family if that's the most comfortable or your closest friends but recognize that in a company like a fidelity where there is so much institutional support for it, it will be easier, you know, and you may come across people that are not supportive. Um, but that's okay. You know, you still, you know, share your story, be open about who you are. Um, and, and people will come around. I mean, I've seen it happen. I've seen people come around just by learning and getting to know someone a little bit and understanding what, what their story is. Um, You know, you, you you people do come around, you know, but you're not, you not you, you might face a little discomfort or, or resistance, but that's OK. You'll make stronger. But just make yourself ready for that moment by by leveraging the, the resources you have in the, in the company, the support that's there and the people that are closest to you and, and you'll know when it's right to do it. I appreciate it. you know that. It's too bad we have to come out. We don't ask anyone else to come out. Right. Why do we have to come out? Why can't we yes. just go to work every day? be ourselves and not have to worry about actually declaring something, That Absolutely. that's the thing that I always say. You know. Yep.
0: I agree, I agree. We will get there. We will get there. So John, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a delight um, and thank you for being out and proud.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Joe. Thank you for doing this. Take care.
0: If you would like to know more about how you can get started with Fidelity Investments today, go to fidelitycareers.com. That's fidelitycareers.com to get started on your Fidelity career today.